0: so many of you here uh, this morning. Uh, And if you're listening online and you decided to just sleep in on your holiday weekend... We're glad you're tuning in to catch up with the rest of this. Uh, and we are beginning a brand new series um, today that affects actually every single one of us here. No matter who you are, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter where you were born or where you, where you live. It affects every single one of us, including those listening online. And maybe that's why you're listening online, because you heard what we were going to talk about. We, uh, we are going to be talking about the topic of money for a few weeks. And for some of you, you're like, oh no... I brought a friend today, I invited them, I told them, you know, this isn't the church that always asks for money, you know, and and now here you go talking about money. And um, I, I just want to say this morning, we're not talking about money because we as a Kingsway Church need more money. That's not why we're doing this. I, I just got to say, like, you guys are like an incredibly generous group of people. Last month, I think, was the, the uh, greatest amount of money we've taken in in any one month. I think you guys, this tiny little church out in the middle of nowhere, you guys gave over 35000 just last month alone to, to do stuff in this area and around the world. I know, like, that that's just incredible. I'd tell you to give you a hand, but I don't want you to get pride. So, um, you know, but but that's not why we're that's not why we're talking about money today. And and for uh, for some, you're just thinking, you know. There's certain things you just, I don't know, you just don't, you don't need to talk about. Don't mess with my, you know, around at work, don't mess with politics, don't mess with religion at work. And at church, just don't talk about money, don't mix God and money. That's just, those kind of things are opposite of one another. But uh, the reason that we're mixing God and money is the chances are that most of you have probably already done that. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you know, maybe there's been that time where if you've ever prayed for a job, oh dear Lord, I need a job. You've just mixed God and money. And for some of you, are like, I don't want to work. Dear God, just please send me some money. <laughs> right? right? Like, you just skip, skip the whole work thing. God, God, I got any money. You've mixed God and money. Or maybe you're like, oh, I, we got to sell this house. Or we got to sell this car. You're like, God, well, I don't even know if you exist. Higher power, Luke Skywalker, good force, whoever you are, if you could help me sell my car, sell my house, you've mixed God and money. And so this morning, we are uh, going to do that as well. And, and for some of you re- wonder, you know, why are we talking about it? And we're not talking about it because it's in the Bible a lot, though it is. And we're not talking about it because we need the money. We're talking about it because in our culture and in Canada, we have a real problem with this, this, um, this uh, thing called money. We, as we, we are, have, have not figured it out, and we're figuring it out less and less. Uh, and so the, the, the real problem is that, that most people... Most Canadians, most people, misunderstand the purpose and priority of money, and so for us in this time together, we want to help help people understand the purpose and priority of money. And here's why: Global News, uh, in uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, if you're reading through um, uh, on your you know news app or whatever, you may have come across this story. There was a, the Ipsos uh, company did this poll of t- 1,500 Canadians online, and there was a weighted poll. They wanted people from different demographics and uh, they, they figured at the end of this poll, the results were within 3% of all Canadians. So all Canadians are within 3% of fitting into these categories, and it was pretty crazy. I was going to invite 10 average Canadians to come on up here this morning, but you just last night I tried it, and nobody's like, no, I'm not gonna, I don't know what he's going to do. And so I'm not even going to ask this morning, but I want you to picture average, like average Canadians are in this place this morning, and here's what they discovered in their poll, that On average, 50% of Canadians, so we're just going to pick you guys because you didn't volunteer, so 50% of uh, of Canadians are living within $200 a month of not being able to pay their bills. That's not a week, that's a month. Every month, they're within $200 uh, of being able to pay their bills. 10%, so we'll just choose this little section up here, 10% would represent those who are within $100 of being able to pay their bills every month. That's how close it is. And, and this is the good side, because 31% of, of Canadians already don't make enough to pay and meet their monthly requirements and are going into the hole uh, uh, continually. As so they, they went through this poll, they're like, oh, those are, some, like, those are disheartening um, results. But what they realized is that 60%, so a majority of Canadians don't have a firm grasp of how interest rates affect their debt repayments. And so they begin taking on more debt, and they become s- s- trapped in this endless cycle of debt because they don't realize that they have to pay it back or how uh, the interest rates affect their, um, their level of debt. Nearly 50% said this, and here's, here's one of the main reasons we want to talk about it. Half of the Canadians um, polled and representing half of Canadians said they regret racking up so much debt during their lifetime. And nearly 40% of them, 4 out of 10, say they regretted the debt they had taken on just in the last year alone. And so as we look at that, you see some stats that are like going in a certain direction. That they said this, that drowning in debt is the new normal in Canada. Household debt to income ratio is now 169.4. I want you to take a look at this chart. It's kind of interesting because as you see, in January of 2014, we, there's, there's quite a big jump here. But it, they said that, you know, it's been actually 23% of a jump just in the last 10 years. These, these guys right here have said this, this whole idea of, of the, the increase in debt is this, that as people have gone, notice what happens in January. In January here, and then it comes to January, what happens? It goes down. Why, why do you think it goes down in January? This is where debt levels, people all of a sudden in January, they decide they're going to make New Year's resolutions. And what, are they, what is New Year's resolution usually? I'm going to get out of debt. So in January, they decide they're going to get out of debt, and it comes down a little bit. But then quickly it goes back up. Then next January, what happens? It comes down a little bit. They're getting out of debt. Look at this January. Just said, forget it. We're just going for it. Let's just keep going into debt. I was wishing, you know, that this was fake news. You know, you know we always, all this fake news around, we're wishing, couldn't this just be part of that fake news? Unfortunately, it isn't. There's a, a financial advisor by the name of Kelly Keane, and he said this, the number one question, he's a financial advisor, so when people come to him, he said, the number one question that I get asked, in secret, of course, is, how is everyone doing it? How is everyone living like this? How is everyone making it? And the, he said, the answer is, they're not. <laughs> they're not. And until we see it in, kind of in a picture, realizing and through this survey, seeing most Canadians are not making it. And it's, the problem really isn't the graph, the chart, the money, the debt. That's not really the main problem because not all debt uh, is, is bad debt. The problem is what the debt is causing to real people. The debt's causing things like this, stress. It's causing anxiety, marital conflict, divorce, and regret. They said these are five of the things that they, they realized were coming as a result of debt. And then in a different study they, that we found that just looking at what debt stress does to a person physically, they found this, that those in the, in the, low, in the light blue is, a, is the low debt stress. In the, in the dark blue is the high debt stress. And over the past 12 months, they saw that those with high debt stress had more muscle tension, back pains, more migraines, severe anxiety, which is, uh, and all of them, huge jumps, ulcers, severe depression, heart attacks. This whole stress of this debt is actually uh, affecting us physically. And for some, you're sitting here, and you're like, you know, this doesn't apply to me. I don't have any debt, you know, I'm a saver. And, and for, for some, you're right away thinking, you know, this, the, you know, I'm glad they're talking about this, but I might as well just go home because it doesn't affect me. Can I tell you something? That it's not just how we use money in debt, but sometimes saving uh, can be just as dangerous, the way we save can be just as dangerous because for some, they think that saving money, that's what they think life is all about, saving more and more money, um, and, and what they don't realize is that relationships can be just as negatively affected by saving, with that mentality of saving, because it can turn into things like your family, you're avoiding or, or uh, ignoring your family because you're at work all the time. You're working overtime for this simple thing of, I'm going to save more money. For some, you and your spouse, you fight over things because you're trying to save money. You know, if you had gone to the grocery store down the road, you would have saved three cents on the milk. And it affects you. For some, you know, this whole idea of saving uh, and focused on, on the saving of money is, you know, you watch the news and you're worrying about Trump like every day. How is that affecting my retirement, you know, my retirement fund? What's that guy doing? And so the same thing they said is that, that this idea of, of being um, overly focused on saving money can cause worry, marital conflict, and regret because the main problem isn 't the money and it isn 't the debt and it isn 't the savings it 's our understanding of its purpose and its priority, how we use it and how we handle it. and so I want to talk to the Canadians in this room and the Canadians listening online uh, tonight or t- uh, whatever time it is that you're listening this thought that, um, this morning of why we want to talk about money is to help with these two things so the, the end of this whole article, they came up with these two uh, finishing statements. I want to kind of leave those with you this morning. It says this, those who didn't feel confident about their understanding of finances were significantly more likely to feel anxious about their debt. Those who didn't feel confident about their understanding of finances were significantly more likely to feel anxious about their debt. On the other side, they said those with a better understanding of their finances were considerably more likely to have actually cut down their debt load over the past 12 months. Those who didn't understand about finances felt really anxious and worried about it. Those who did understand actually did something about it. And what we realized from our surveys and stats is that many are affected by these financial issues, but few actually have a plan uh, to do something about it. And so with the next couple of weeks, this is our focus, that our hope in this series is to help you get a better understanding of the purpose and priority of money, so that you're in your life, so that you can do something different about it. That if they're going to look at the stats, they're going to have to say, you know, that's all the stats, but Kingsway, you know, they're 100% on this other side. They they don't they don't fit the bill of all of these others who are drowning in stress and anxiety and these difficult things. So there's there's the problem. It's why we want to talk about it. Well, then we think about the cause. How did we get into this mess in the first place? And for some of you, it's right away, I blame Trudeau. Like, just, you know what, it's got to be Trudeau. That's the problem. He's the one who's uh, got us into this mess, and this is, it's all him. I mean, he's only been here for a year and a half, and some of you have been in debt for 20 years. And so in your heart, you're like, fine then, I blame the other Trudeau, right? It was his fault, you know, This, this is the guy who caused all the problems back then. And for others, you know, it's like, I blame the credit card company, or I blame the bank. There's people suing credit card companies and banks right now, Forgiving them loan and forgiving, you shouldn't have given me a credit card because I, I can't handle it. It's your fault. For some, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're blaming their spouse or their husband, you know their wife, they're like, they're the ones who spend, 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 and it's all their fault. It is possible this morning that there are things that are out of your control that have caused the financial situation that you're in. You may find yourself in debt because something happened outside of your control. That is possible and this morning. If that's if that's you, that's not the the group of people that we're mostly focused on because there's a different solution for that. But for most and for many, this the 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 cause would be much more uh, similar to something that that we're going to look at today, and it's something that was not just. Today, it happened thousands of years ago, and the Bible talks a lot about it. And so we want to take a look at, at that, because if that's the cause of it, then there's great hope and possibility for, for change. Paul said this. Paul was a man who traveled around uh, shortly after Jesus rose from the dead and went to heaven. And he, he said, you know, there's a man who <laughs> rose from the dead. You can put your faith and trust in him for salvation, and he, you can follow what, what he said. And so he called people to become followers of Jesus. And lots of people did, all over the, the known world at that point. And he started these little things called churches. But it, they didn't, it was called ecclesia back then, but in their language. But church in our language, these gatherings of people who were Jesus followers. And as he, uh, as he did that, he would leave somebody to kind of oversee the group when he was gone. And one of those young uh, guys was a guy named Timothy. And so Paul would write to them, and he had discipled and trained them. And, and he writes a letter to Timothy, who's in a, in a place called Ephesus. It's a real place. It's in modern day Greece. He, he writes to Timothy and says, hey, Timothy, I want to tell you a whole bunch of stuff about leadership. I want to tell you a bunch of things about leading a church. And here's some of the things you need to um, think about. And so he talks about relational stuff, and he talks about church stuff. And then near the end of his letter, he begins to warn him about these, uh, th- there's going to be false teachers who try and come in. He said, there's going to be people who come in. They're going to try and lead everybody astray. And, and he says, you know what? You'll, just in case you don't know who they are, Timothy, watch for some things. And here's one of them. Watch for the guys who want you to keep giving them money. He says, the ones who are all about the money... That should be a red flag to you, Timothy, that they're not genuine of heart. He says, so you know if, if, and even the same is for us today. If there's people you that they're in ministry and all you ever hear about is them, they want your money, they want your money, and they want their, your, uh, you know, your money for them. That should be a red flag. He says, there's something not. Uh, right with that. But as he writes to them about these false teachers, he lets us in on some things about money and about finances that affect all of us and can help all of us. And so if you got your app or you got your, you know, still carry a paper Bible, go to First Timothy, you know. Uh, it's closer to the back. For those of you who use the um, Version app, I love it. I'm, I just love seeing how much you guys are uh, in the Word. First Timothy chapter 6 says this, verse 5, He's talking about these false teachers at the beginning. He says, these people, they always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt. They've turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. That's all they're doing. They're, trying to, they're, they're just p- pretending to be godly so they get rich. In verse 6, he says, yet true godliness with contentment. Just remember that word. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, he says, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. We can't take anything out when we leave. No one in all of our brilliance has figured out even how to take a dime with us when we leave. It all stays here. Verse 8, so if we have enough food and clothing, let's be content with that. And in verse 9, he says this. This is the verse we want to focus on today. But people who long to be rich... Put those words in yellow, remember that. Those who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Well Paul tells Timothy and just it's 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 incredible that 2000 years ago this was so true and yet today it's so true. If you're a teenager, listen up to this because he's giving you some really really good advice. He's saying to Timothy, Timothy, the ones those people who are always all about money and craving money and wanting money, I'm going to tell you how they end up. So that, he says, you can learn from, you don't have to go through it all yourself. You can learn just by seeing what, what happened to them. And it says this, the, 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 there's a part of them that longs to be rich. That's what they live for. They, they love money. They crave money. It doesn't say they have money. It doesn't say that they use money. It doesn't even say that they have a lot of money. It, it has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with their attachment to it. He says, those who long to be rich, love money, crave money, something happens to them. And what he doesn't say he doesn't say they become poor. That's what we would think, right? Because that's how the Bible always works. If you want something like this, you get nothing, right? If you, you, know, you want to be happy, he makes you sad, and we think that's how faith is based. It's not. He says to them, if you long to be rich and you crave money, he says, this is what happens. They, they're described with these other words called ruin, ruin and destruction, it, with, with words like being trapped, you know, all kinds of evils happening in their life. They're, they got many sorrows. As we looked at our stats earlier about this whole idea of, of those who don't understand how to use money, what do they have? Anxiety and, and, and you know, marriage failure, relational conflict, all of these things, this ruin. He's not saying you aren't going to have the money. He's going to say there's, there's something coming with it that you may not want. And so we ask, you know, this cause, what causes it? Well, for some, you think the cause maybe in your life, if you find yourself in this place, was that letter you got in the mail. You know, the, the bank sends you this letter, the credit card sends you this letter, and, and they send you this advertisement, but then they also send this thing. You're so awesome, we want to give you money. Like you just, I get these all the time, you know. Uh, have you thought about, you know, that new home reno? Have you thought about traveling around the world? Maybe your wife needs a vacation. Well, I know you don't have any money, but you can do it because we're going to give you the money. You're just like a rock star, so you might as well live like one. And you're like, I do really want that vacation, you know? And MasterCard can get me there and back. How awesome is that? And you begin to think, it's like, yes, yes, sign me up. You're like, yes, sign me up. Can I tell you what you weren't thinking in that moment? You weren't thinking thoughts like this. Hmm. You know? I love this letter, but I I don't have enough anxiety in my life. Yes, sign me up. You weren't thinking, you know, my marriage is just way too good. Like, we have not had a good old fight about money in so long. Sign me up. You didn't think, you know, I don't have enough regrets to tell my kids and my grandkids about. Sign me up. You didn't think, you know, man, I sleep way too good at night. I really need something to lay awake about and think about at 3 o'clock in the morning. Sign me up. You didn't think this. You didn't think, you know, I, I just don't get enough calls from random people, you know, recalling my debt, you know, sounding really angry and, and I try and, I just don't get enough of those calls. You know, sign me up. None of us thought that when we said, yes, sign me up. We thought we'd feel better, happier, richer, more popular because we got the great vehicle on the street or, or whatever it was. The truth is, and was back then, is the same today, that that often that that's a trap where we feel worse, we feel stressed, we feel lonelier, we feel emptier. And Jesus explained why that happens and why that is in his most famous message called the Sermon on the Mount. You know, as Jesus was talking to his followers about all kinds of just practical stuff, things about life back then, it's amazing that his words are so powerful yet today. And he says this in Matthew chapter 6. If you want to go there, you can highlight that, read it later. The whole thing is great. Um, but Matthew chapter 6 is between 5 and 7, but there was no 5, 6, and 7 back then. It was just this, this, this message but here he shows kind of right in the middle of this message. He says this, no one can serve two masters. If you highlight that or underline that or just think about that, he's, Jesus is saying no one can serve two masters. Either he's going to hate one and love the other, or else he's going to be loyal to one and he's going to despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. He makes this contrast that most of us never really think about. You know, when you ask the question, what do you think, what's the opposite of up? Down, right? What's the opposite of of rich? What's the opposite of uh, male? What's the opposite of serving God? Not serving God, serving Satan, you know, it's like, we would think that, right? That's not what it is. It, we we think you know the opposite of serving God is serving it would be serving Satan of course that would make sense but you know it's 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 not that um it's not that crystal clear for some of you you know if you woke up every morning you're like you get up in the morning you're like am I gonna serve God today or am I serve Satan you're like of course I'm gonna serve God today right like especially it's Sunday right I'm gonna I'm gonna serve God if we if we had that thought. You know, I, I wake up and I'm like, I get to serve God or serve Satan. Everybody's going to be like, well, yeah, I probably want to I don't want to go to the other place or yeah, whatever your reservations are about serving. You don't, I don't want people even to know, like, I'm serving Satan, right? Like, it would be a pretty simple thing. And Jesus says to them, it's, not, it's, it's much more subtle than that, but just as dangerous. What he, he um, shares with them is that the, the choice you actually face every day is not serve God and serve Satan. He's like, it's serve God or serve mammon. We don't use this word mammon very often, and the, words, the word doesn't mean money. It, it means like money as if it was a person. The, the, it means your stuff, your wealth, your money, the, the attachment you have with it. He's like, you can't serve God and serve all your stuff. He's like, that, 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 those two things don't work. And then he describes it in this word, the word masters. He says, you know, when you wake up every morning, you've got two masters that you could be serving. And if you're going one way, you can't walk two ways at once. You're either going to be serving one or you're going to be serving the other master. And so which master are you serving? And you think, huh, well, I'm just going to be, I just want to be like my own master. Well, he doesn't really leave that opportunity. He doesn't say there's three masters. There's, there's money there's, and wealth and stuff, and then there's God, and then there's you. You can kind of ride the line. He's like, it's one or the other. You'll always be serving one or serving the other, and you can't serve both. He says things, things like this, that when you wake up in the morning, there's going to be situations that life hands you where you're going to have to decide, am I going to serve God in this situation, or am I going to serve stuff and, and, and wealth and money? For instance, it'll happen like this. Maybe you're here this morning. As you hear some of the prayer requests that were mentioned, you feel like in your, in your heart, you're like, man, you know what? I really should just give those people $100. I I just feel like, I don't know why I feel that, but just feel like I should give them $100. That's usually God talking because you usually never tell yourself to give away money. I'm pretty sure Satan's not telling you to give away money. So it's probably God saying, yeah, give away that money. And and then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And then all of a sudden this thing stops you. You're like, but what if I need it? Do I have gas in the car? Are we gonna have steak or are we gonna have hot dogs for dinner? You know, I I should probably keep this hundred. And, And you wrestle with that and you've got the choice of what am I gonna do? Am I gonna honor God or am I gonna honor money? Are you going to buy what you want now? Like, you went to the store just to buy a battery, and you get there, and you're like, oh, they've got coffee makers that toast waffles at the same time? Who knew these existed? You know, it's only $399. I needed a battery for 3 bucks and 99 cents, and you come home with $399 coffee toaster and waffle toaster, and you're like, honey, look at this. It's this amazing. You didn't even know we needed it until you got there. Or are you going to get to that place and see that and be like, uh... You know, you like, oh, man, I want that. And all of a sudden, that little voice comes on the inside like, yeah, but you need to pay your hydro bill. Oh, you know what? I'll pray about that. I'm buying this. <laughs> right? We, we have those things. And it's wrestle, like, should I buy the brand new vehicle or should I buy the used one that I can afford? And you wrestle with those things. And it happens on the inside. You know, for some, it's like this. You know, I can make a little bit more money if I just compromise a little bit in this area. If I just don't tell them the whole truth, I'm going to make some more money. And you're like, that voice on the inside saying, uh, And you're like, oh, you know, which one am I going to serve? See, he paints the picture of this idea of it being masters. You know, we don't, we don't really think of slavery. Fortunately, we don't have to really think about slavery in our country very often. But you watch the old movies, you know, with the show The Slaves, their response to, to commands is always, Yes, master. Yes, master. Yes, master. Yes, master. And Jesus is basically saying the same thing that in every day, as you go through your day, you're saying, Yes, Master, or Yes, Master, to one of these two things. Which master do you serve? Which one do you submit to? Which one do you live for? Which one do you love? Which one are you saying yes to in your life? Our stats would show us that there's some, uh, a good percentage of people in our country that are being ruled by this master. See, one master cares nothing about you, it's just stuff. And for you, you think, no, no, that's my stuff. I own that stuff. And what you don't realize about it is that stuff actually has the ability to own you. You can have stuff, and that's not the problem. The problem is, does your stuff own you? I'm like, well, I don't know. Did you realize your stuff has the ability to control your emotions, and in, through that, it can control your actions? Well, I never really thought about that. Well, think about this for a minute. If you went out to Holman Motors, well, no, let's go to like a new dealership. You went to, we like Haldeman Motors. But if you went to a new dealership and, <laughs> and bought a brand new vehicle, you bought the brand new vehicle, what do you feel like inside? You feel like this guy. You're like, yeah, you know, this is sweet. I'm going to Tim Hortons to celebrate. You drive into Tim Hortons, you come out, and someone backed into your brand new vehicle. What do you feel? Like this, right? You're just like, oh. And then, and then you're, you know, you're, your neighbor wants to borrow it, and then, you, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. It can affect you. Here's the question. Do you have things in your life, things, objects, things that you can't sell because of how you feel about them? Do you have things in, in your life that you can't loan out to anybody else because how you feel about it? You can't loan out your car. I would say not loaning out your car to a 15-year-old, you know, is like, hey, or like an 18-year-old who's just going to go take a joyriding in a field and it's Alexis, Lexus. You know, it's like, he's like of course, I can't, can't loan it. But could you loan it out to just an, another normal, uh, responsible adult? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It might own you. You know, is there things, you, you know, maybe it's your house that you couldn't sell because of how you feel about it or how it makes you feel. Maybe it's your golf clubs or your guitar or your boat. It's about how you feel about it. I remember going to a church down, down in, um, it was in the Caribbean, and, and the, the pastor there asked us, hey, can you come and lead worship? And I was like, sure, but I didn't bring a guitar. He's like, oh, no problem. Go ask our worship leader. He'll let you borrow his guitar. So I went and asked him, I am like, hey, can I, you know, can I borrow your guitar? He's like, no. There's two things we don't lend out in life, our guitars and our wives. He was right about one of them. You know, but, but, but it was this thing of, no, you know, you, because something could happen to that, that, that guitar. And it's for some of those things, it's, it, stuff begins to own us. Do you have, I've had it in my own life. I had investments that, you know, I was just watching every single day, and all of a sudden I felt like God telling me, you know, you've got to give that away. It's, it's consuming all of your time and your emotion. Can you give it away? Do you have stuff that's causing conflict in your relationships? Do you have stuff that you and your wife fight about? Why would you fight about things when you've got someone so much more important uh, there? And so often we, we g- kind of wrestle with some of those, those things. I, um, I had uh, a neighbor a couple y- a number of years back. We, he, uh, our houses were attached, so we kind of had one of those semis. And and it wasn't anything amazing, but he thought it was like he loved that place. The youth once came and pranked my lawn, and he freaked. Me. He was going to call the cops because they put five thousand forks in my lawn. I still remember that. Uh, and so and they're here. Those youth have grown up. So, but uh, this guy loved this house. And and one day he he come over to talk to me like every day because he was retired. And he came over the one day. And he was like just seethingly angry and i and i said you know hey what's up what's why are you so upset and he he says you know what my 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 grandkids and my uh, my daughter and my grandkids came came to visit and they live out east they come for 2 weeks a year he says you know they came to visit and he says you know my grandson he's like 14 he, i just had my driveway sealed and he walked up the driveway and he got that black sealer on his feet and then he walked into my house went downstairs and had a shower and now there's black footprints in my shower I'm like, oh, yeah, that's kind of sucky. He's like, you know what I told them? He's, like, I told my daughter, you're welcome to come back and visit me anytime, but he's never allowed here again. And I was like, are you serious? Like, calm down. He's like, nope, that's it. I made up my mind. And I'm like, wow, that's extreme. That's extreme. But you know what? It doesn't start there. It starts somewhere else. It starts with little things. Like this week, my kids, Max and Finn, were outside. We're really going over this thing of trying to explain to them what's toys and what's not toys. Because- they have a whole lot of toys that they never play with and everything that's not a toy they want to play with. All of our dishes are drums, you know, all of our, uh, whatever. The car is their favorite toy, right? So you get in, air's blowing, windshield wipers going like, it's like, this is not a toy. Well, I'm a big gardening fan and I just got these brand new, um, I got a brand new watering can. So now I have two. And so I went out the other day and the boys decided the watering cans were actually weapons, and so they were fighting with one another. And so then I uh, went to water my garden. I'm like, oh, man, the new watering can's got a leak in the bottom. And I was like, oh, here we go. This is another one of those things. I was ready to walk in the house, and this thought came to me. Is it really worth it to get angry at your kids over a watering can? I was like... You're right. There's a teachable moment here. It's just not like that way, right? It's not, not going to teach them. I'm just going to deduct their allowance. But I went in there and, and, and began to explain once again things that are toys and things that are not toys. But I almost put a watering can above my kids. What are the most, you know, it's, it's, it's just in the how we deal with it. The most important things in life aren't things at all. And sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Do you have things in your life that you've put things between you and your kids? Are there things that are coming between you and your spouse? Are there things that are just, you know, coming between you and the Lord? And today's really the title of the message is called The Tale of Two Masters. And as we kind of wind it down here, the idea is that there's these two masters, that one master, the stuffed master, promises you happiness, but never fully provides it. You're always needing just a little bit more. One master keeps wanting you to buy more, spend more, charge more. Did you ever wonder why it's called MasterCard? They're not even subtle about it. This is going to be your new master. And for those, I'm not saying that those things are all terrible. If you can pay off your balance every month, they create a great service for us. The problem is, for those who don't, you just got a new master. When God puts on your heart, I want you to be generous. You're like, oh, but MasterCard says I need to pay them first. I'm not much good to you, God, if I'm in jail, right? One master always wanting stuff from you. This other master loves you and wants something for you. He wants the best for you. He's not trying to take your stuff from you. So many think, oh, God just wants all my stuff. He doesn't. He's trying to protect you and and, and make sure that you aren't harmed by what stuff can do to you. He wants you to have stuff, not that your stuff has you. He wants you to understand the purpose and priority of money in your life. He wants you to use it properly. Because if you use the right thing in the wrong way, it still hurts. The other day, Max comes <laughs> comes running out of the out of the bathroom, and he's screaming. He's like, ah, "It burns! It burns! It burns!" We're like, "What happened?" And, and so then, as we figure out the the story, um, it, Beth had got some essential oils. I don't know if you know essential. It's overpriced little things of whatever. So he's this, so there's this. Anyways, there's essential oils called lavender that every time the kids get a mosquito bite, Beth would put some lavender on them. Mosquito bite, and it takes the itch away, and they smell better, right? So it's... two for one. So the, the, the kids realized this. Well, then all of a sudden, Ma- Max, he was itchy, so um, Finn decided he would help him, and he grabbed the essential oils, and he went, and he poured the essential oils all over him, and uh, the problem was he was, it was the peppermint uh, stuff, which is, yeah, you need to dilute it heavily before you use it at all straight on him, and of course, he's like burning like, and, and so with our, with our kids, we're like, you need to use the, the right stuff in the right way. It definitely has value, but you use it wrong. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And God's saying the same thing. You know what? Yes, money is fine and it's good. It solves a lot of the world's problems. But if you use it wrong, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. And so why we want to talk about it is we want to, if if you're connected to us, if you're in this place, if you have a chance to hear what what a different master says about it, you may be able to go through life without having to go through. It hurts, it hurts, it hurts. Matthew chapter 6, the last verse today. Verse 19, 21, it's a few verses Earlier, Jesus tells them this, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. It's not about everything you can get here. Paul said, you don't take it with you anyways. He's like, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. You're like, how do do I do that? A lot of times it's just serving someone else, you know, giving a child a cup of water in my name. There'll be a reward for that in heaven. It's these different different outside things. It's not stuff the same way we think about it. Verse 21 says "Is this, here's the reason, because where your treasure is, it's where your heart's going to be. And for some of you, you, thought that was Harry Potter, but that's actually from the Bible. You know, the, the thing is that where, that, that where your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. See, because there's one master who cares about your heart this one just cares about your stuff. This one cares about you. Why? Because where your treasure is, where, where that's where your heart's going to be. That's where your heart's going to uh, end up. Your heart follows your treasure. So he's saying, don't let your heart, don't let you get tied up in all of this stuff because it will become your master and you will be a slave to it. He's like, I'm not concerned if you have this stuff. Just don't let the stuff have you. I don't want you to be enslaved to money. I want you to be free, free to save, free to spend, free to give, free to live, free to be generous, free from anxiety, free from worry, free from anger, free from conflict, free from regret, free from all of the the physical stuff that happens as a result of debt stress. He's like, I want you to be free of all of that. And so today as we close, the challenge is this. The challenge is this. I want to challenge you to take a look at your finances this week to kind of go and look at some of the things you've recently purchased and just say, which master was I saying yes to in the moment that I made that purchase? Which master was I saying yes to? And have the choices that you made, have they caused anxiety? Have they caused, you know, worry? Do they cause conflict? Have they caused relationship breakdown? Have they caused you some regret? I don't want you to do anything about them yet. I don't want you to like, oh yeah, I'm going to, that's it. We're not spending any more money, Period. I just want you to think about it. Do you own your stuff? Or is there stuff that you have like, it might own me. I just want you to look at it this week. That's it. Over the next number of weeks, um, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about money because it says a lot of things. And the reason we want to look at it is that thing we started with. Those who had a better understanding of the priority and the purpose of finances were more likely to do something about it. So we want to give you the opportunity to know what he says about money. We want you to give you the opportunity to say yes to a different master, to say yes to peace, to freedom, to blessing, to responsibility, and ultimately to joy. We're giving the chance to say yes to something rather than saying no. Because in either way, in either side, we're saying yes to a master And for those this morning, you're not a follower of Christ. You're like, ah, somebody dragged me to church and what the heck am I doing? None of that stuff matters for me. You know, what's the thing? I just want to ask you one question. Do you have an emptiness on the inside that you keep trying to fill with stuff? It just seems like everything you buy just doesn't really seem to do it. There's still that like, oh, there's something out there. I'm missing something. It's been described that it's called like the God-shaped hole, that you can try and fill it with all kinds of stuff. It just never works. But he will. He will, and he's calling you as a a master, and we think, oh, I don't want a master. I want to be the master, but we never are. We're always serving someone. What are we serving? One that's leading us to a place of utter destruction or one that cares so much about us? Which master do you serve? See, this master sent his son because he values you that much, and he sent his son so that you would have the opportunity to be free from another master and have the opportunity to call this master father. He's not saying, I want you to be a slave. He's like, I want you in relationship with me. And I've paid and done whatever needs to be done. The chance to call and have a new master in your life, one that's for you and that, has, has, and that loves you incredibly. You have the opportunity to follow him. This morning, it's part of a decision that you just make to say, you know what, I'm going I'm to follow him as opposed to that. I'm going to turn away from the way I've been doing life. And I'm going to turn and follow. I don't understand it all yet, but I'm going to turn and follow a new master. It's as simple as that, and then it steps from there in a journey with him. I want to encourage you that that's available this morning for you. Can we pray? Father, thank you that we can call you Father, that you create the opportunity for us to be your children. And God, I I thank you that you care about our regular life, all the stuff that goes on in our life, the stuff we deal with every single day. Lord, thank you for these words, for preserving them for all of this time that we get a chance to read them. Here today in our language and to understand the powerful truths that are behind them. As we go out from this place, Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd prick our hearts and, and that you would uh, lead and guide us as we live out this day for you and, and with you, that you'd help us to realize in those moments where we're being tempted to follow a master that's just leading us to, to destruction. Would you help us recognize those moments and know what to do differently in those times? Lord, thank you for this amazing church and the chance to be a part of this family. I pray that, that your uh, favor and blessing would be on them as they go out from this place, that as they reach out uh, to others around them, that others would have a chance to see how good and how amazing you are. I love you. It's in your name for your glory and with you that we live this week. Amen.